Okay. Hey, everybody. Um, and what is the uh, what's the topic for this episode? Let, let me take a look here. <laughs> oh man, this episode's really gonna suck. Oh, That's right, vampire movies on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attention, planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attack. Good evening. What a lovely <laughs> night, isn't it? You can hear the children of the night. What music they make. Oh, seriously, Children of the Night was the name of my punk band in high school. Ah. Welcome to Attack of the Killer Podcast. I am your host, Insane Mike, and this is episode 247, where we are going to... 247, for reals? Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm doing this. <clears throat> No one of my arms are tired. Oh, jeez. That's your that's your joke. Thanks. You're welcome. We will be discussing vampire movies again. Because this is Vampires <laughs> Part 3. Can't get enough. No. Well, there's plenty of vampire movies. We could probably go another 100, 247 episodes worth of just vampire movies. But we're not going to. Just this one. Until we run out of topics again, then we'll do part four. <laughs> <laughs> so what is Attack of the Killer podcast? Well, if this is your first time listening to the show, first of all, where the hell have you been? And We've thank missed you. you. Yes. We thought you'd never get here. But now that you are here, let me tell you a little bit about us. We are a horror movie podcast group of friends. We get together. We pick a topic. We discuss movies within that topic. We speak, speak openly and freely. So there's going to be spoilers. Guarantee it. Promise. <laughs> and maybe a few curse words. Fuck that. Okay. If you like what you hear, don't be shy. Let the whole world know by becoming an attacker. An attacker are those who support the show. And it's thanks to the supporters and AKA the attackers that we get to, we get to keep bringing you this show every other week. However, if you do become an attacker, you could actually get the show every week. Thanks to our bonus episodes, we record just for the supporters of Attack of the Killer podcast. But that's not all, though. You have the opportunity to get all kinds of extra perks as a thank you for supporting the show. Uh, and you can pick those perks and get, uh, if you want by going to jointheattackers.com and sign up for the tier that will get you the content you desire. Not only could you get the bonus episodes, you can get early access to the main show. You can get your very own membership card, certificate, and sticker. Uh, you can get access to all of our various video series, such as video updates, Insane Mike's One Minute Top Ten list, Killer Critiques. Wow. There is so much <laughs> extra goodies you can get <laughs> to give you more Attack of the Killer podcast in your life. And it... There's so much it'll just blow your mind. Don't you believe me? Well, check it out for yourself at jointheattackers.com. That's jointheattackers.com and become an attacker today. And while you're doing that, it's time to introduce you to the podcast crew. He challenged Dracula to a boxing match once. Sadly, he lost because no one could ever beat the count. Andy! <laughs> <laughs> Hi. 
He wanted to be a vampire to change his image. Basically, he wanted to be revamped. Tad. Tad, there. <laughs> I'm here. I just refuse to acknowledge it. Ah. Uh, we were walking down the road the other day when a vampire blocked our path, and I told my friend, Quick! Show him your cross! And he said, Hey, asshole, get out of our way! Jason, everybody! Because <laughs> I was mad. That's, that's so funny. Hey, everybody! You laughed, so... Thanks for, thanks for listening to our show. And last but not least, our very special guest, Lisa Cavalier from the Bad Movie Bunny Podcast! Thanks for being here. You tell the listeners at home about your show, the Bad Movie po- Bad Movie Bunny Podcast. Well, um, in short, I've written movie reviews for a number of years, on and off, on many different free platforms. Um, this past April, no, beginning of May. Got my second vaccination when the first episode pretty much dropped. Um, I just took it to podcast form. And what I do is a bunch of little mini episodes. And um, I kind of supplement it with photo comic content. Now, as I'm no voice actress of any caliber, I take knitted creations that I make. Um... Usually of various characters. My favorite's Jason Voorhees. And my two little uh, original creations, which look like Frankenstein rabbits. They were made out of felt sometime in 2002. And they've lasted all these years. And I've kind of used them as sort of my, I guess, spokespeople. And create a small photo comic in which... They they kind of host this late night show and interview various guests and tell terrible jokes. Basically, it's me playing with Photoshop and paint. <laughs> awesome. Well, <clears throat> thanks for being on. This is going to be fun. Thank you. Good to have you here. Thanks. Have you rented every horror movie on beta at your local video store? Is there nothing good at the drive-in? Tired of the same old movies on network television, edited and full of commercials? Are you stuck in 1986? Now is the perfect time for you to get signed up for Shudder. Shudder is the streaming service for horror fans of all shapes and sizes. Some people call Shudder the Netflix of horror. I don't know any of them, but they do have a point. (laughs) Shudder is awesome. It's awesome for all things horror, but don't take my word for it. Check it out for yourself. You can get a month of Shudder for free on us here at Attack of the Killer Podcast. If you enter our promo code AOTKP, you can start your journey through hours and hours of amazing horror content. Again, that promo code is AOTKP. Get your first month for free on us. Now let's find out what what we have been watching on Shudder. Here's Tad with what we watched. Oh, 
Okay, as of recording this, we're only a few days away from Halloween, so I hope everybody's been cramming in the horror movies. Andy, what have you watched? Okay, um, we talked about it for about two hours last night on Tad's First Time Podcast. Go check that out. Um, Halloween Kills, I'm not going to get much into it because I've already talked my face off about it, but uh, go see it. That's where your face went. Exactly. Um, I also uh, managed to see No Time to Die in the theater, and uh, I watched that and Halloween Kills in the same day, and just the amount of death of important characters in that just completely freaking gutted me. And uh, I ended up, I've also was watching, um, I, I don't want to, I can't really talk much about James Bond, except the, the action is great. There's like, as usual in a Bond movie, uh, in the beginning sequence is, you know, full of action and there's a lot of loose ends tied up from, you know, previous movies and there's multiple storylines going on. And I will say that no time to die is very long. It almost hits the three hour mark. So there's James. plenty of time to die. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, um, but uh, it's it's good, and it's it's a it's a bit of a bit of a tearjerker at the end uh, because it's 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 basically like a three hour long tragedy. It's it sucked. Well, I mean, it was good, but it it just you know it's 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 a it's kind of a bummer, and then you know you get a you know you get a little bit of a bummer towards the end of uh, you know Halloween Kills as well, uh, and then of course I watched uh, you know by then you know, my soul is running on fumes. And then uh, what do I decide to do? I decide to watch dark side of the ring, yeah. which is, uh, you know, never good. And poor no. Luna Vachon had like a, you know, a, a terrible, uh, experience. And, uh, I also watched the XPW one, which is pretty eye opening and freaking batshit crazy. I highly suggest you watch that one. Um, basically a, a porn producer ran a wrestling company and he had people's thumbs cut off, but, which they couldn't prove, but they know it was him. Um, just all around, just, they basically, they were training wrestlers and shooting porn in the same building. So imagine, you know, just that whole scenario. Um, I also watched. Give me a minute. Give me a minute. I'm imagining it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know the number of people I know who've crushed on various wrestlers. They're probably thinking of it as a very happy scenario. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, not some of these. Not some of these wrestlers. If you saw, them, it'd be like, yeah, it, it was a very independent <laughs> blood and guts promotion. It's yeah, it's it's something Ooh. else. But check it out. Um, and then I also uh watched it was it was i must have be like a glutton for punishment because i also watched uh britney murphy what happened oh yeah i saw that two part series and i am spoiler really... alert we know what happened <laughs> <laughs> well but do yes but yes and and no uh there's a lot of questions <laughs> and her husband her husband this this fucking turd uh this simon mon jack ass jack whatever i'm glad he's dead because i want to fucking punch this guy in the nuts um <laughs> horrible horrible person basically i mean <clears throat> anything that came out of his mouth was a lie basically and they tried an intervention uh her friends did they tried to help her but she says no i'm gonna i'm gonna stay with i'm gonna stay with him and 
look where it mm-hmm. got her. Um, and basically, I've been watching what I consider to be the funniest and best show on the TV with my wife is what we do in the shadows, and I'm absolutely. I've been catching up on that and it's just every it's like every episode I was just like how are they going to top this and the next one is just more funnier than the next. I highly highly suggest you watch that show. They have really <clears throat> I've been keeping up on it too season 3. Um they've been really doing a, a full storyline with this season. Um you know not just jumping around with different topics like some of the previous seasons but uh yeah, there's there's full on story threads going on in this one. Yeah, it's the quite vampiric cool. council. Are they? Yep. Is it all out yet? I'm just waiting till it's all out. I no, hope I it's not all it. out yet because the last one ended on kind of a cliffhanger. The finale is this Thursday. <clears throat> okay. Oh my. Okay. Sweet. So maybe this weekend. Oh my. They have a lot to tie up <laughs> in one more episode. <clears throat> That's cool. it for me. Excellent. Well, Jason, what have you watched? Oh, man, this is the best time of year, guys, and I know you all know it and the listeners know it, but we're gonna we're already starting to work on our uh, award show, so it's coming to the end of the year, and we're going to cram in all the movies from 2021, and, and it has, I mean, we've been doing it all year, but it's crunch time now, and and so I got some. I got some in there. Uh-huh. Halloween Kills, obviously. Uh, listen to Tad's episode. Um, it's pretty good. I watched uh, the Forever Purge. Yeah, I really like that. What do you think? I think it was pretty forgettable. I can't remember shit about it. I don't. Oh no! I'm really? Lo- I'm looking at my letterbox, <laughs> and I gave it two stars. So I don't know that I loved it. God, I'm trying to remember it. I mean, this cowboy on a horse thing looks really cool. It was about, uh, the basic premise is that um, when the purge ends, people continue purging. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Mexico opens its borders to Americans. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, yeah, it was it was okay. It was it was good. I mean, I like the series. It's good. It was fine. Um, but uh, my favorite, uh, last one here, uh, blew my freaking mind. It was so good. It's called The Guilty. By Antoine Fuqua, his new movie. Mm, with uh, Hall. Yes. Mike and Brandy, if you have not watched this yet, it's uh, he is a, a dispatch oh. person. And the entire two, 91 minutes is pretty much him at the call center uh, working this some shit that's happening. And it's just intense and fucking awesome and crazy and there's so much story that comes out in such a simple you know one location type of thing i mean it's fucking brilliant fucking brilliant and it's dispatchers you know so brandy will fucking well or she'll hate it and pick out all the things that are technically wrong so maybe don't watch (laughs) it with her but tell her about it after you watched it but yeah I, i freaking loved it what what's it called again? Guilty. The guilty. The guilty. What's it on? What's it playing? Where's it playing? Uh, Netflix, right? Netflix. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I'm trying to remember that. She would totally want to see that. Yeah. It it it's really gosh dang good. That's what I watched. Okay, let's jump over to Lisa. What have you watched recently? Well, uh, not Shutterfair, um, but I have been watching a lot of Tubi. 
Um, Yay, Tubi! <laughs> I know. It is such a great little streaming service. I hope they never charge money for it. Yeah, but, exactly. Um, um, I have been watching movies for the Unsung Horrors Horror Gives Back Challenge, mm-hmm. where you watch a movie throughout the month of October and then donate to the Trevor Project. Um, that's been a bit, <laughs> you know, bit, bit of a component of my time. Um, but so far the favorites are Bit, which, um, features Nicole Maines, I believe her name is, the actress who plays Dreamer on Supergirl. Um, yep. And she is a girl on summer break. She visits her brother in LA and comes across these super hot female queer vampires and they are trying to rid the city of male trust fund entitled bar creeps and oh, other such assholes that sounds awesome oh it's wonderful i mean <laughs> yes the queen bee vampire gets a little mad with power um i mean her backstory would indicate as such but and still it it resolves itself quite nicely and, you know, I saw a couple of real stinkers. Um, one of them is a Charles Band production called what? Spellcaster. What? Say, that's all you had to Charles say. Charles Band made stinkers? What? <laughs> I know. Crazy, isn't it? The man who brought us Radu. <laughs> 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 yeah, but for this time around, I got a recommendation from a Twitter friend. And, um, well, I don't know so much of a recommendation so much as... He lambasted it, and then I realized I had to see this. Plus, it had Adamant in it as the titular bad guy. Nice. Goody t-shirts. I know, but he didn't sing or even contribute to the soundtrack. You know, they didn't even get the rights to one of his old songs. Uh, I mean, what was the budget on this? Did they all spend it on the castle? Who knows? Um, Let's see. The other one was Pledge Night. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. This did have a good soundtrack because it was composed by Anthrax. Yeah! <laughs> Fuck it. And Joey Belladonna himself played a prospective pledge. Yep. A hippie pledge, bad. to be sure. But, ugh. It, I don't know. You didn't see the monster nearly enough. But, you know, as much of a Freddy Krueger knockoff as he was, you know, Acid Sid had his charm. And, you know, at the end of the day, he just wanted to protect his kid from becoming a, uh, you know, falling victim to boy? a, yeah, or falling victim to a hazing prank as he did. You know, parenting. Priorities. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by by shoving a cherry bomb up a guy's ass, right? Hey, that that is comedy gold. <laughs> <laughs> I love that scene. I thought it was hilarious. Oh, and, and it couldn't have happened to a better guy. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. And I also saw the uh, What Happened Brittany Murphy documentary, and uh, yeah, yeah. I, I it it required a couple of episodes of Young Justice to really remedy that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, and you know, after this, it's gonna be many more until the end of Halloween. Although I do plan to see Last Night in Soho. Oh yeah, yeah. Me too. It finally comes here. And, and they put out Last Night in Soho and Antlers on the same night. Come oh, on, guys. Yeah. 
Making Ooh. me choose. Yeah. Double feature. I know. And the new and Wes I'm, Anderson movie. I'm so glad I live near an Alamo draft house. You lucky. Lucky you. Oh, man. Eh. All right, Mike, what have you watched? Uh, Halloween Kills. Never uh, heard of it. Really? Yeah. Not. Um, what? <laughs> and he loved it. Oh, wait, spoilers. Kills two hours of my time. No, I'm just kidding. I thought it was awesome, of course. Um, I, too, I'm only halfway through the Brittany Murphy doc, so you guys got <laughs> me nervous for the second half. Um, and I really haven't had much time to watch anything. I did rewatch uh, v- the original VHS uh, in anticipation of watching VHS 97. Plus, it's also going to be the topic of the next, if it's not out yet by the time this comes out, uh, the next um, Killer Critiques mm. episode. So I decided I wanted to rewatch it. Rewatch like the uh, alternate ending and some of the commentary and stuff to prepare for an episode of Killer Critiques. But still love it. Still think the first VHS is awesome and probably my favorite of this franchise. Yeah, that's all I got a chance to watch. Cool. <clears throat> you also watched uh, Neon Maniacs? Nope. Huh, weird. I lost the bet on that one. Okay. <laughs> well, I I've watched a few things. Yeah, um, Tad, what do you got? In, in between these movies and watching, I don't really count the movies at the Capitol because I don't really. Uh, even though I'm up in the projection <laughs> booth, I don't sit and watch them. Um, but we we did do the original Halloween, Halloween Four. But I caught one I wasn't really expecting to. I really, honestly, didn't even know it was coming out. Um, last week, I watched the new sci-fi original Slumber Party Massacre remake. Awesome. Yeah. Jason oh, and I were, that's right. were talking about that before we started recording. Is it any good? I enjoyed the hell out of it. Really? Um, okay. Cool. So do you guys want to know anything about it, or do you not want me to spoil Spoiler anything? Spoiler free, but... Well, I just I was telling Jason, like, I have... Low expectations because I, you know, when I saw it was coming out, my first, you know, first thing that came to my mind is just like, this is another one of those where it's just, let's put all the pretty people in it and have terrible dialogue and pretend to be a 80s slasher, but we're not. Kind yeah, of because the original was such a classic masterpiece. <laughs> yeah, of it is. Cinema. <laughs> it is. But I will tell you that the poster uh, or cover art or whatever you want to call it, did intrigue me because I liked the fact that, you know, it shows the killer on the cover and he's really reminiscent of the killer from the original Slumber Party Massacre. And the uh, oh, I'm dying to like tell you guys something, but <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's, it's like it's the premise of it that's going to sell it to you guys. Okay, give it to us. I don't care. Okay, this this isn't really a spoiler. Um, I'll try my best not to spoil because there's there's some big turns in this, but this is not a remake. It's a sequel, guys. Yay! Oh, and so the killer does look like the killer because it is the killer. Yay! (laughs) Nice. But I will not spoil the the big um turn they do with this. It's really cool. I I love what they did with this. They they is very creative. Um. I, I really, I, I just happened to be at home and I was like scrolling through Twitter and people were like really hyped for it. I'm like, why would they be hyped for a sci-fi movie? I'm like, oh shit, they remade Slumber Party Massacre and I'm at home. I'll throw it on. And I was really, maybe it's just because my bar was so low, but um, I really enjoyed it. 
Cool. I also <laughs> gave me hope, man. You we, gave me hope. Where can we watch this, Tad? It's it was a sci-fi original, so I imagine if you have uh, cable, it's on demand, or it's probably I imagine sci-fi has sci-fi uh, streaming, app. Yep. yeah, app or streaming service. Um, okay. So probably there. Um, I imagine they've it. replayed it a few times too, but um, it was fun. They did like a live live uh, tweeting thing, and people were having fun watching it. Um, I think a lot of people were pleasantly surprised. I saw a lot of positive reaction. Hmm. Um, I went back and finally watched the first part of the Joe Bob um, Halloween hoedown, or I don't remember what, sh- what this was called, um, that was on during Halloween Palooza. So I've watched Angel for the first time. That was the first movie. Oh. I, I, I haven't watched it all the way through even Angel yet, but I just I thought it was hilarious. Like the whole opening is just them just talking about how and Joe Bob talking about how he get shit every year for have for ruining Halloween with his Halloween specials. By not showing Halloween <laughs> movies. By not yeah. showing Halloween movies. And then his movie of choice is Angel. <laughs> but that was not his choice. He, put, he clearly put it on David Gordon Green to pick his two movies that they had available, and he picked Angel. <laughs> yeah. It, and Terror, I just and Terror it Train, funny. which is a um, New Year's horror movie. Yeah. But um, – yeah, it was. I mean, I, I'd, I'd watch Joe Bob talk about just about anything. Yep. It was pretty slow and boring. It was a bit tough to get through Angel, but um, it's still Joe Bob, so it's not too bad. Uh, and then I revisited one of my favorite underrated, I think, John Carpenter movies, Christine on 4K. Mm. Um, nice. That is, yeah, that I love that. I think. Uh, Keith Gordon's performance is extremely underrated. I think that this movie is not talked about enough when John Carpenter comes up and um, it proves that you can take Stephen King's novels, uh, do them justice, keep them close to what the book, you know, the story is without venturing out too much and and still make it your own. Uh, To me, this is like the perfect blend of Stephen King and, and John Carpenter and great performances. I love that movie. So um, that and then I also watched the episode of the movies that made us on Halloween. Um, that show is really edited oh, yeah. for people with ADHD. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, it is obnoxious. But uh, it, I, you know, I'll watch any documentary, any series, anything where they talk. And, and speaking of, Shutter has a new uh, series coming out, like the history behind the Mad Men or something. And they have um, a Michael Myers episode coming up, but. It was cool. I actually learned maybe like one thing. Um, I think the only thing I really learned was that it was not ever considered being called the babysitter murders. That was like a rumor that got started and everybody on the show agreed that was never on the table for the title of the movie. So um, that's about all the new stuff I learned from it, but it was still entertaining and still cool to see, you know, Tommy Lee Wallace and Nick Castle and mm-hmm. uh, all those oldies, you know, talking about the movie. They didn't get Carpenter uh, or any, you know, Jamie Lee or any really of the actors, but a lot of the behind the scenes people is really cool to see and to really see how bit, how much of a shoestring budget this thing was and how sort of happy accident a lot of it was. But uh, yeah, check that out too. Yeah. I forgot. I did. I've watched Almost that whole season of um, movies that made us. The Halloween ones or the the horror ones? Well, all of the new ones that came out. So I watched the Halloween one, the Nightmare on Elm Street one. Um, Now I'm forgetting which ones there are. Yeah, I'm not sure outside of Halloween. I don't think they did a Texas Chain, did they? 
No. Not that I know of. I thought there was another horror one. There is. I think there's three, but I don't remember what it is. And then Scream or something. And then I watched the Coming to America one. <laughs> Which one of these is not like the other, right? Yeah. Mm. Friday thirteenth. Oh, that's right. It was Friday thirteenth. Uh, that's yeah. right. Forgettable. Three the three the three biggies. The three that I probably already knew most of the information about anyway. The Mount yeah. Rushmore, you know? Yeah. All right, cool. Well, thank you, Ted, for what we watched. You're welcome. You could kill a vampire by shoving a wooden stake through its heart. And what is a pole but really a long stake? Here's Jason with pole position. From now on, like your parents were, you are the secret force of pole position. All right, and on this episode's pole position, the question is... Who is the coolest vampire? I know it's it's a it's a question that needs answered. I mean, yep. so, so let's get it answered. Mike, you're up first. Well, it's the obvious answer. Come on, uh-huh. everybody loves him. He is um, you know horror's favorite actor. The history of horror cinema. We're talking Christopher Lee as Dracula. Uh huh. He is the coolest. <laughs> He's pretty cool. He's pretty cool. All right, I'm I'm gonna go next with what is the real answer. When you think cool and suave, it's this guy. They it doesn't get any cooler. It's Jerry Dandridge, played by Chris Sarandon himself from Fright Night, 1985. It Jerry. was AMC the other night, and I had to stop and watch the, the rest of it. Like oh, it was man. like still an hour left. Yeah, I never on. ate fruit, and mm. I mean like apples. I just ate apples all the time after I watched that, and man, it was so good. Jerry Dandridge, Tad, cool guy. Who's who's your I'm, coolest vampire? Uh, the I mean, it's hard to fight against this. I'm surprised that I even got this pick. <laughs> Um, but I mean, David from Lost Boys, like, how do you beat, um, a blonde mullet, motorcycle, um, leather jacket, <laughs> earrings, um, Jim Morrison poster, uh, you know, party all night, sleep all day. Pretty uh, cool. It's only noodles, yeah. Michael. I mean, yeah. It, it, how can you beat that dude? I mean, no, there's no saxophone solos and, mm-hmm. Still believe. <laughs> Did you guys see Tim Capella was on the, the Joe Bob special? Uh, was he? No. He plays. Apparently, he plays, he's very nice. Yeah, he plays the uh, uh, Joe Bob's back in town theme uh, closing out. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah. Wow. Still amazing that Dustin got to go open for him. That's so awesome. Yeah, we tried to book him here at the Capitol. He wanted a little too much. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and Andy. Well, I'll tell you how you beat David. You got oh. uh, a guy that has a cooler leather jacket than <laughs> than David, and he's got better one-liners, and it is, well, for starters, he's Bill freaking Paxton, and he's Severin from Near Dark. Ah. He slashes people's throat with, you know, boot spurs. and Pretty cool. He's got one of the best lines. He's, I think he says, um, it's not about what's going on. It's about what's coming off your head from your shoulders. Um, <laughs> Finger licking good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you who? <laughs> yeah. I hate it when um, they ain't been shaved. That's my that's favorite. That's right. Line. And he's got some of the best um, 
like after he gets hit by the semi, you know, and dude, he's just like he's freaking road pizza, and he's still climbing up that thing. Uh, but yeah, Bill Paxton, pretty seven. good. I hope you, I hope you get one vote this time. That'll be good. <laughs> I hope so. All right, and uh, Lisa, the Twitter only lets us have four answers, but if you were able to have a a pick, what would yours be? Oh, I don't know. I mean, they're all great choices, and Christopher Lee, I think. He was the one who did the heavy metal album in 2003, it was. Christmas, yeah. heavy metal Christmas album. This album. Oh, even better. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, oh, Teenage Me is all about Kiefer Sutherland, but my pick would have to be um, Nicolas Cage as Peter Lowe in Vampire's Kiss. <laughs> Plastic fangs and all. <laughs> I mean, it's all about Jennifer Beals anyway, but... let Andy keep doing impressions (laughs) good pick good pick I'm a vampire I'm a vampire (laughs) (laughs) that movie's movie's awesome oh poor Maria Conchita Alonso he's a national treasure I love Nick yes yeah good one national treasure Mm -hmm. Ah, (laughs) I see what you did there All right. Well, everybody, get your butts over to Twitter. Get your votes in. Who do you think got it right? Who is the coolest vampire? Get your votes in. That is Pole Position. All right, guys. Let's talk about some movies already, huh? Right? Like, man, where should we start? What do you think, Jason? I don't know. With a vampire movie? Okay. I got one. Oh, what is it? Oh, okay, yeah, it's one from 1986, and it is called Vamp. Did you ever have one of those nights? Hey, where are we going? Ah, doesn't matter. What counts is that you're my buddy. <laughs> My day didn't start off too well. We be looking for ya. Are we chumpy tonight? And then it got worse. We're here. And then, gentlemen, I give you Katrina. You're just what I'm looking for. Why don't you pick on us? What's a mistake? It was a little error there, a little communication error. I'm sorry. Uh oh. Let's just get out of here. This is not really happening. Hello, baby. God, you look awful. What happened to you? I was nearly hung. I got into a fight with a psychotic albino. I ate a cockroach, my best friend disappeared, and then I'm nearly assassinated by a runaway elevator. Anyone can have an off night? This is fantastic! Fab, a comedy with bites. And of course, Grace Jones. Vamp. Two fraternity pledges travel to a sleazy bar in search of a stripper for their college friends, unaware it is occupied by vampires. 
Written and directed by Richard Wink. Uh, yep, it's got a bunch of people in it, especially Grace Jones, as the trailer told you, put out by New World Pictures. This is a first time watch for me. Me too. I freaking loved it. Oh man, it's just such eighties awesomeness. To just the like the buddy movie. Uh, I I really I'm a big fan of Chris Makepeace. I just really enjoyed him. He was in uh um. The uh, meatballs, meatballs. God damn, I knew it. And so, I, I really liked him. And then, of course, Robert Russler is great. And um, who makes another appearance later in the show? Um, but uh, uh, yeah, just the the music, as you could hear in the trailer, the the buddies, the comedy, the craziness, and vampires. It was dumb and it was fun, and I really had a good time with it. What do you guys think? First time watch for me. This is the second time I've watched it because uh, I actually bought the on a whim. I just bought the Arrow DVD, and the first time I watched it, I was just like, "There's no way that <laughs> you could say that Tarantino didn't use this as the basis for Dust Till Dawn." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I, I felt uh, that way too. Yeah, I mean, it just it was it was just clear as day to me. Um, I'm just going to say this, and I'm going to state the obvious. Grace Jones is fucking weird. She's <laughs> weird. Is it her, or is it the character? No, no I just, just... No, no, she's weird, you know. But, you know, then again, define normal. But um, I'm with... I'm with uh jason on this i just think it's 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 a great hunk of 80s cheese oh yeah and um robert rustler rustler's great um just you know uh spoiler alert he gets stabbed with formica and it doesn't kill him and <laughs> uh just yeah it's just really Probably silly i part. mean I mean, you can't really take anything seriously when you know the donger is riding in in the back <laughs> and you know just throwing out these one-liners i mean it's just it's it's not particularly really even scary at all in terms of like you know a horror movie but it's just it's just fun ah, i really thought dd Dee Dee pfeiffer was great too i i oh, really yeah. enjoyed watching her and might be my favorite pfeiffer i'm not sure yet but oh definitely but that's not a high bar <laughs> come wow. on you know and they're in they're in a club with class Class. <laughs> oh right? yes, emphasis on the class. <laughs> right down to that pink tuxedo. But um, it was a second watch for me, and when I saw it for the show, I thought I recognized Robert Russler from somewhere, and then I looked him up, and I guess it was on purpose that he will appear later in this episode. Was I? Yeah. I think that's a happy that. accident. Happy accident. Okay. But I, I he was Grady in Nightmare on Elm Street 2, and he was also in a short-lived miniseries based on the Outsiders book by S.E. Hinton. Yeah. He he played a greaser. <laughs> <laughs> Weird science. Yep. That's yep. right. He was always kind of that pretty boy. Which I mean, he's still kind of doing now. Yep. <laughs> Pretty Good for bad him. Boy. Yeah, kinda. No, I, I, I think I liked him the most. But uh, you know, Getty Wantanabe was probably my favorite part in all of his 
dorky buddy glory. Oh. I love him so much. I'm that's my one probably complaint of this movie. There wasn't enough of him. Wasn't enough? No. Not I felt like yeah. I felt like I could have done better with him. Because what's great also about him in this movie is like the first time you get to hear him without a, a stereotype Asian accent. Yeah. Yeah. That was nice. But uh, and he's the reason why I ended up watching this. This is the second time really? viewing for me. The first time was earlier this year. Wow, that blows my mind. Oh, I, wow, this sound. This well, here's feels the thing. like you. This is well. This is why I've avoided this movie. This uh, this came out at a time for some reason. I had a misconception of what this movie was supposed to be. Maybe it was because of the weirdness of Grace Jones. Sure. And thinking that it was more avant-garde, artsy-fartsy. Like, like I always felt like this movie was going to be more like The Hunger. Oh, I was just going to say that. And that was... And that oh, was... that yeah. was, Back I in the day, that. that was a complete turnoff for me. Yeah. Like, no way. And so I'm kind of bummed that this is like just a... Oh. Uh, this is like a, a college... A college <laughs> slobs versus snobs type start movie with vampires... And a strip joint, and I'm bummed I never watched it back then. Um, but I, I saw they talked about it a bit in one of those in search of darkness movies, and um, uh, uh, got you to watch it, and that's what got me to watch it. Yeah, and when they were interviewing um, Montanabi on there. And I'm like, what, what horror movie what? was he in? <laughs> and when they start talking about Vamp, I'm like, I've got to see this now. And yeah, uh, freaking loved it. Thought it was hilarious and awesome cast. A lot of cool people in it. Uh, a lot of the effects were really cool. Um, probably one of the best animatronic skeletons I've ever seen. Sure. When it flips them yes. the bird at the end, which is hilarious. That... Might possibly that... the first uh, movie where a vampire is killed with a shoe. <laughs> I believe. Yeah. I mean, they were in a strip club. I mean, it does make sense. Sure does. I think I watched it um, the first time because I do like Grace Jones and I kind of wanted, you know, something more avant-garde, something along the lines of the, you know, movie club vampire, but good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, That turned out to be a buddy comedy was, okay, that works too. At least somebody gets killed with a shoe. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you guys brought up from dusk till dawn. This movie reminded me a lot of um, um, Martin Scorsese's uh, uh, After Hours. Oh yeah, I could see that. It's like After yeah. Hours, but with vampires. Especially once they get out of the strip club and they're they're running around looking for AJ, and they go to the hotel and. And they just keep running into all these weird characters that, you know, end up being vampires. But yeah, so so for, you know, it's the middle of the night, like in, you know, in the big city, just really kind of gave me after hours vibes, which I love that movie. It's one of my favorite Scorsese films. Also cool to see Billy Drago leading a gang of albinos. That's, that's fun. (laughs) Snow. Yes. And Tad, you liked it too? Yeah. I oh, did. Oh. No, I did. I did. I I have seen this cover and this mm-hmm. poster art for my entire life and somehow have never seen this. I'm just not a big vampire guy. It feels like 
just sort of like zombies where um, there's for every one good one, there's a million bad ones. So it's sort of hard to pick through. But sure. um, I wasn't expecting like a, a buddy 80s buddy comedy. So when I turned it on, I was like, I was actually pleasantly surprised because I just around this time of year, I want more fun stuff. Yep. Um, yep. And having that right now was, was good. And just sort of like, it, it makes me relax and turn off my brain and just enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it did feel, I, I will say like in my mind, I just kept comparing it to like F- fright night because I just watched that. <laughs> and I'm like, this is a less good version of fright night, but sure. it's still fun. It's still definitely something I would rewatch. Um, I feel like it doesn't get as much, obviously as much recognition as something as fright night, but, um, no, it was it was fun, and it's it's just very much a product of its time. You know, it has every trope and every stereotype from that era of film, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes it's just good to have that, and it's like comfort food. You know, yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it too. I kind of got a little bit of a Fright Night vibe while watching this too. I was having flashbacks to Fright Night, and maybe it's just because two vampire comedies from the eighties. Yeah, one year later. Know? Yeah, with with two friends, one sort of a jokester and one's more serious, and then yeah, yeah. Uh, on the they, uh, sorry, no, uh, I was just gonna say they don't really have uh, a, a friend that they try to take advantage of at the beginning. Um, yeah, <laughs> I was just gonna say there's there's a, a fun fact here. Like on, I was watching the special features with uh, is his name Chris Make Make Peace? Yes. yes. Okay. Um. He was he was talking about when they were shooting um, uh, the scene where they're breaking into the the pawn shop to you know get the weapons and, and whatnot, and he says we were in the middle of filming that and I was you know clanging away on the lock and he said out of nowhere a seven foot transvestite he just goes no you're doing it all wrong he said and he picks up like this this. Uh, you know, like one of those burning drums, like the 55 gallon drums, it's, it, it was empty and he starts smashing it onto like the, the lock. And then like he, he had to get pulled away by the police, wow. <laughs> but, but yeah, this happened during, during filming. And it's just like, he's like, my God, he was, he was like, she was like, so imposing. He's like literally scared the hell out of me. I was just like, I backed up. I'm like, Oh my God. But yeah. Okay. Now making movies. <laughs> During the first scene where AJ meets Katrina and gets taken back to her dressing room, did anybody notice that there was a picture or painting of David Bowie? On the wall? Like a a big mural type in the back? Uh, No, just kind of like a little photo. Oh, gosh, I I don't remember. I would assume my girlfriend Brandy did because she's like a huge David Bowie fan. And I but I don't was, remember yeah, if we saw. I don't remember if we saw it the first time we watched it or not. Uh, I mean, I it, it was one of those things that just kind of hit me. But then again, I have a T-shirt where he's in. You know, there's a big close-up of Bowie and Ziggy Stardust form. So I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it was just instinct. <laughs> awesome. Uh, I liked her makeup effects too, when she, you know. Oh yeah, when she vamped out. out. Yep, and then kills him and. I don't know. I, I I like that better than her uh, her her stripper costume or her dancer costume. Really, the slinky. Or whatever, <laughs> yeah, cut up slinky. Yeah. I, I, and yeah. I did like that. 
the rabbit yeah, ears just... for the television. Yes. <laughs> oh God. I did say that's that not '80s cheese. That it was Grace Jones' idea to not speak a single word in the film. That she was uh, honing in on the Max Shrek Nosferatu vibe. That was her idea. Um, it's, a, it's a cool role. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to use yeah, her, she did a good job. Yeah, yeah. yeah man, she was very Grace Jones in this. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm okay with that. Yeah. It, it, it worked. It worked for the film. I I agree. Cool. Yeah. Vamp. Who knew? Check it out. <laughs> uh, so, our next film is the whole reason why I wanted to do this oh. episode, and also. The you know the reason why this next person gets to introduce this film because he had never seen it and uh-huh. I've been dying to find a way of getting him to watch it. Ted, what's our next movie? Well, I'm honored that I am the one who picked who got who was picked to introduce um, 1978 George A. Romero vampire classic Martin. My name is Martin. I'm 84 years old. People think I'm crazy when I tell them how old I am. I'd like to be normal. I just have a sickness. The only way I can survive is by drinking blood. It's not easy living the way I do. I have to be careful all the time. But I'm pretty good at it. I think as I get older, I get better. I haven't been caught yet. Martin, another kind of terror. You see, people don't understand what's wrong. They think that I'm a monster. They think I'm a vampire. Those things I see in the movies are not real. I don't have a whole lot of women. It's nice to watch them. I watch them a lot all the time. I have to, to be sure that nothing goes wrong. I follow them. I plan. I'm very careful. I have needles now. I can use them. I can put them to sleep. And it doesn't hurt. Martin, another kind of terror. I would like to be like everyone else. I have to do things that I don't necessarily like to do. But I want to stay alive. I do need blood. Director of Night of the Living Dead. Martin. Um, young Martin is entirely convinced that he is an 84-year-old blood-sucking vampire. Without fangs or mystical powers, Martin injects women with sedatives and drinks their blood through wounds inflicted with razor blades. After moving to Braddock, Pennsylvania to live with his superstitious uncle, who also believes Martin is a vampire, he tries to prey exclusively on criminals and thugs, but stumbles when he falls for a housewife. 
this is an interesting one. Is this technically a vampire movie, Mike? That's oh, uh, to question. your interpretation, isn't it? Yeah. In Richard Chase sense. I, I really thought this was interesting. Um, written and directed by George Romero. Something different from him. You know, we always, and I'm guilty too, always just associate him with uh, zombies. But um, I, this is one, like you said, that has been... Um, sort of eluding me for many years. I'm glad I finally got this one watched and I really enjoyed it. I think it's really cool. Um, I, I think it's, you know, it needs to be seen by more people. Uh, and Ted has gets to stay on the podcast for another year. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I really had no idea. I, I tried, you know, I've never seen trailers for this. I've, I really knew nothing about it other than people have sort of been saying, you know, it's a George Romero vampire movie, but not really, and I did not know what they meant by that. Now I sort of get it. But um, I, I love the um, the flashback scenes in black and white. Um, I love just the feel of, you know, 78. Like, that's mm-hmm. a, a fun year for horror. I mean, that fun sort of time in horror where it just has that look. The actors are great. Um, I, I think the lead playing Martin is really great. Uh, John Amplis, he's really uh, sort of sympathetic. But also, you, you sort of hate him over time, too. So... Uh, you sort of have that balance there. I, I, I really did enjoy this one. Yay! That makes me happy. Uh, awesome. This was a first. Um, this was a first time for me too. Ooh, I didn't even nice. know this existed. Oh! But apparently, this got confiscated in the UK as a video nasty. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Obscene Publications Act, nineteen fifty nine, and. A- Apparently, I guess this was one of George Romero's favorite movies to make, at least according to Wikipedia. Um, I gotta say, I kind of liked how the scenes in Braddock kind of looked run down, like any kind of vampiric Hamlet, only it was, you know, 1978 and not the 17-1800s, where you would just kind of see a couple of little farmhouses and the imposing castle. But um, I I think the black and white scenes were pretty good too. Yeah. That video nasty. I I, I was, you know watching it now I'd never believe it, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> back then probably. I think one of the things that upset censors the most was the one of the first blood scenes in it when he goes to slice the woman's arm. With the razor yeah. blade on the yeah. train, that actually technically ends up in the ends up in the movie was a was a mistake. The blood effect didn't work right when he did the first little prick, mm-hmm. and then, but they just kept the camera rolling and he did it a second time where the blood went everywhere, and oh, the, wow. and it seemed like the censors had problems with that first little uh, first little prick, where it's just like it felt. I guess the whole thing feels more gruesome and nasty that he couldn't get it right the first time, you know? Mm. So he has to just keep slicing at it. Wow. I didn't know about that. (laughs) Oh, be prepared for the Martin trivia train folks. (laughs) (laughs) I also went into this, uh, blind. I knew about as much as Tad. I just knew that it was Romero's Uh take on, you know, a vampire film. And I actually really enjoyed it too. I think, you know, uh, I like the looks of film back then. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think it's necessarily oh, yeah. technical, technicolor, but it's got like a, uh, it's, it's like got a gritty. Yeah, it's got it's got a grittiness to it that I that I kind of enjoy, and I just I love 
I love the the late seventies, early eighties look of of film. Yeah, I just me too. I love I love like uh, particularly like you know just this the the setting of this film and you know mm. like the arc like that's the the home that they that he was in and he was screwing with the phone and stuff and just and stuff like that you know just the just the the backdrop and just the the old homes that you know that we probably grew up in. And, but you know, before they got remodeled, and you know, and the old cars and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, the and the and the black and white stuff was good, and just the reminiscing and uh, Nosferatu. Um, <laughs> you know, and he's trying to convince him. He's just like, I'm not sick. You know, it's it's not magic and and stuff like that. And he's I li- I like the the Dracula trick that he played on him. You know, and just like <laughs> with yeah. the vampire um, kiss fangs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. It's just like he's basically you know talking to this guy. This old world of thinking's like you know, you think I'm crazy. You know, you're nuts. Uh, but. Yeah, yeah, it's just a lot of I <laughs> I couldn't help but laugh when he kept on saying the sexy stuff. Uh, <laughs> yes. Just, yeah. yes, it's so it's <laughs> it's hard to take him seriously. Co- coming out, coming the, from that, and yeah. The, yeah. And the setup just, too is like the most porno movie thing ever. I mean when we we live in the age of Grubhub and DoorDash and what have you, but I mean he is a grocery delivery boy for his uncle. <laughs> Yeah, in his is, grocery yeah. store. I mean, he, it's it's he's delivering the sausage, so to speak. Oh, hello. <laughs> I mean, not at first because he runs away when she, you know, hits on him. But later, all right, sure. He's very upfront. Uh, you know, let's have sex. Like, yes, no. I was shy at first. Would you like, but... would you like to do the sexy stuff? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think I may I think I may ask ask my wife that next time. Would you like to do sexy <laughs> stuff? Oh, that'd be hilarious. Um, no, but uh, and it's the the ending is oh, nice and sharp yeah. and abrupt, man. Mm-hmm. And it's just like punch in the face, man. Yeah, and, and it's over the it's radio like, too. Yeah, and it's and it's kind of like you know Tad said, it's just like you feel sorry for him, but you. Don't so. I mean, it when I watched the ending, I was just like, I was kind of conflicted, yep. Which I kind of like the ending like that, yeah. I mean, what, what, what are your, what's your guys's take? Well, uh, I'm loving this episode of First Time Podcast, by the way. This is great, <laughs> um, but uh. No, I I've seen this movie a bunch, and I'm I'm glad that y'all got to see it. And I know that I'm just going to try to hurry up through this so that Mike can get to his super rant that we'll be here all <laughs> night for. But um, I definitely wanted to mention the ending too because holy shit, man, it's so fucking good, and and it's so great to see Christine with a role, a pretty good role as wife at yeah. the time, and George yeah. had a role, and that was great, and even old Tom Savini had a role. And, it's the beardless yeah. era. I know. For Sabini and Romero, even Amplis. Yeah. And he doesn't have the big run DMC glasses on. <laughs> oh my god, that's right. That's why it's hard to tell it was even him. And um I yeah, I love this movie and it's uh I don't know Mike how to say it. Like I think maybe and it's not until this this last watch. I just I loved it so much. Yeah. And like I feel like this one more than any of his films 
um, showcases his style. Yes. Mm. Thank you. I more, yeah. more than Don, all of it. Yeah, I don't even have to say anything now. You said <laughs> it, you said exactly why I love this movie. This this one showcases all the things that that can be said. This is George Romero. And so that's why I, I loved it this this watch. Okay, I'm done. You can go. Okay. Well, to answer Andy's question, I I love the the conflict of I I feel like George Romero did what Rob Zombie's been trying to do for years and take a despicable character and make him sympathetic and we care for him, you know? I thought you were going to say uh, Romero's been trying I was going to say Romero's <laughs> been trying to get um, people to accept his wife as an actress. Right. Right. <laughs> oh, that's what I was going to say too. Oh my god, uh, dude. That's good. Um you know, because I, because I, it, last time I watched Devil's Rejects, I had that like ultimate epiphany. Like by the time, I still like the movie. Don't get me wrong, but by the time the movie's over, I'm like, I, you can't expect me to care for these guys to free bird when they're after what I've just watched them do as they're getting gunned down. I don't care. I'm like, yeah, you kill them. But Martin, I care. Like he, he's obviously sick and demented and forced that way by his family. Or is he really a vampire? And I love yeah, how love none the, of that is ever truly the answered. Of it all is so yeah, great. Right. is he really eighty years old, or was those flashbacks just his visions? You know, his he delusional never, visions that he was having. His versions. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, he's drinking blood. Wouldn't he be getting sick off of that at some point? You know, uh, but obviously none of the other vampire rules apply. So, you know, everybody just thinks he's yeah. like sick and demented and, you know, the poor, the, the, the poor guy is suffering from mental illness and, you know, he's Ugh. just, he just looks like a, a lost puppy every time he's on camera. Mm-hmm. Um, and the movie starts right off, like watching this, this oh. last time for me after not watching it for a while, super dark, like you would want to hate this guy as soon as as soon as the movie starts. I mean, he basically he kills he rapes this woman and kills her in so many words, right? If I may, yeah. when he's hide when he's hiding on that train, the music kind of reminded me of uh the the piano in uh Halloween. You know that dun, 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 Oh, very yeah. simple. It just yeah, and it just reminded me of just like that sort of Michael, you know, Michael Myers stalking sort of, uh, you know, two note theme that Carpenter does. I mean, it just, it just reminded me of that. Yeah. I, I love the score of this movie. I have it on vinyl even. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, now my, my question is, I guess there was, um, another version Wampier where Goblin did the, um, soundtrack. And I guess the only version of that is in Italian. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, I don't know. I'll have to see if I can find that. I wouldn't be surprised as you know, <laughs> as much as the Italians Romero movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. As wow. much as the Italians loved mm. Romero, especially around the Dawn of the Dead era. You know, their their whole film industry was based around Dawn of the Dead after that movie came Argento out. Argento so. cut. Um Darn right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, Jason 
nailed it for me on why I love this movie. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why I love this movie, but the fact that this is the George Romero calling card right here of of his of everything that makes George Romero great in his his writing, his his camera work, his editing, his his just overall storytelling, his um his use of of uh, uh, messages in his in in his work. Like this, you know, this isn't like in your face message, like movie, like land of the dead is, um, it's way, it's way more subtle just about kind of like the landscape of, uh, of industry in America at the time. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, it's just, but for just ultimately for me, it's just his storytelling techniques through his camera work and his editing, especially his editing, like, he his editing is, is what inspires me when I edit. Um, you know, just basically Martin doesn't speak a whole lot in this movie, um, other than like really the moments when he's narrating, being interviewed by the radio DJ. But uh, <clears throat> uh, so there's a lot of moments where this movie is like a silent film, and it's all told through visuals, and it's and it's it's told through all the camera setups. I mean, to think that this was a low budget, a low budget movie shot very independently and the amount of coverage the man did, like, you know, you gotta think like all those shots have to have to be pre lit before you film it and all that shit. And, and it's all shot very well and beautifully. And, and all those details are there because it's great because Martin has his plan when he goes to, goes to feed, where he scopes out his victim, um, he plans it all out, and then we see the intricate details of that plan, which is some of my favorite stuff. When he, you know, sneaks into the garage and he unscrews the light bulb, and just all those visual details are there to tell the story, uh, you know. And we see we see the chaos that happens in the house. So we see him meticulously cleaning up all those details, straightening the painting, picking up the candy and putting it in a dish on the counter, all that, all that stuff. And that's the stuff I freaking love because all those details, all those details are important to, to the story um, of, of what's going on. So man, I just, Oh, I love this movie. Yeah. It's right before dawn. So it just feels like the most pure George really is it really is and what's the a stand for again in his awesome yeah, i knew it um yeah you know avant-garde it, <laughs> his messages about religion in the movie are great and mm. oh yeah it's a uh, young priest drinking <laughs> <laughs> it's drinking and smoking and talking about how he went to go see the exorcist yeah oh, oh yes. god that's right <laughs> yeah i mean he had to you know be a technical advisor yeah. Albeit an armchair one, <laughs> and and drink more of that homemade wine. So I'm gonna I want to now geek out about some of the cast. You got John Amplis as you know Martin. I'm just gonna himself. ask what your favorite Amplis movie was. That's a good question because he's been in a lot of Romero movies. He played the mime in Night Riders. He was the zombie uh, in the Father's Day storyline uh, in Creepshow. Uh, he was in Day of the Dead. I can never remember his character's name off the top of my head, but he was the other scientist, not not the not the lady, not the Frankenstein guy, but the other one that's barely there. Um, <clears throat> so uh, he's even in the Dark Half. He he has worked. If he's worked on, he's, he 
He's appeared in Dawn of the Dead in a couple a couple of scenes, a couple of different characters, um, but he's worked behind the scenes on a lot of George's films too. And that's another thing I love about Romero, especially the uh, the Pittsburgh era of Romero, where it was a it was a family a family affair where they all just came together to make a movie. Um, you know, you got his is uh, they weren't married at the time, so his future wife Christine Forrest um, is in the movie, and I always found it interesting that in both this. And in Night Riders, for some reason, George Romero makes Tom Savini her her love interest in the movie. <laughs> what is that telling us? Is that like some kind of in joke that we he should not want to know about? I think so. He wants Swinging? to be cucked by Tom Savini. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Or wants to watch. I don't know. I don't know, but, uh, hey, whatever you're into. <laughs> and again, yes, you got Savini and this is also, you know, Savini's in it. And he also, um, um, did, did the, the did the makeup effects. This is still before he figured out that stage blood does not photograph very well. Cause you get more of that really like crayon, crayon red. blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crayon red. It's blood. like nail polish. Uh, you got the grandpa Kuda, um, played by Lincoln Mazel, who, we had seen recently his only other George Romero film that he was in was Amusement Park. Yeah. Yeah. I recognize him. So I'm watching this with Brandy, and and she's like, that guy looks familiar. I'm like, yeah, that's the guy from Amusement Park. And she's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and I told Sad him, again. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think that's all I got <laughs> for now. I don't know. I think the best part about that movie for me was the end. And I just kind of love the cut of him burying the body and in the garden. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, as he's making his own nephew plant food, you know, you hear the radio disc jockey that he's been confiding him asking, Hey, where's the count? All of our listeners are trying to figure out where the count is. I mean, is he dead? Has he been, you know, arrested or what? Yeah. I also like the fact too that he was killed kind of for the wrong reason, you know, like yeah. and and also I think it also plays into the the um sympathy of that scene for Martin, the fact that he was kind of starting to go straight, you know, he you know had a thing with this this married woman, and I think he was falling for her and all this stuff and you know, the killing wasn't as important anymore to him. And then she commits suicide. Yeah, I'm just gonna spoil the whole thing. She commits suicide, and then, and then Grandpa kills him. Well, I guess Martin and her, Martin and him are actually cousins. But uh, he kills he kills Martin, thinking that Martin had killed the the housewife. So, yeah, I just love that uh, that dark, sad irony of all of it. Um, speaking of sad, dark irony, there is a almost three hour version of this movie that what? has disappeared over time. So wow. that George Romero foundation needs to not worry about amusement park so much and find that three hour cut of Martin for crying out loud. Oh man. So you haven't seen it. It doesn't. Yeah. It kind of doesn't exist. I mean, Romero himself was on the commentary track for the anchor Bay DVD, was practically begging anybody out there oh. who has any idea of where they know the one print of that cut is. Because oh. it's out there somewhere, probably, but probably not. 
and I want to. Oh, <laughs> I'll do. Fair enough. It's a, it is a collector's item. <laughs> oh man, well boy, would it be a collector's item. Okay, well I guess that's enough of me gushing on Martin, and I'm so happy that everybody liked it, and I'm so excited that there's so many first time watchers of this movie. It's great. Yeah, I never knew he made a vampire movie, and that this was probably one of his favorites to make. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, it's always been one of his favorites. And I love it because I feel like he was trying to do with vampires with what he did with zombies. You know, he kind of kind of just did his own thing with the lore. Mm-hmm. Uh, worked out way better for him with the zombies than it did vampires. <laughs> but. Uh, so, Andy, what's our next movie we're going to talk about? Our next movie is a new movie from 2021, and it is called Jacob's Wife. How do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? You make plans for things. Life happens. I want to live a bigger life. You know, Anne, I am surprised that you wound up marrying Jacob. Whatever happened to the adventurous Anne? Oh, this is so tempting. I just can't do it to Jacob. got new teeth coming in what and oh good you're home get changed i'd like to go out 40 years i've known this woman every day the same now i don't know who i'm coming home to how much of that could i get you want the blood i feel more alive than i have in years hey mrs fetter you all right mrs fetter Why didn't you tell me when this first happened? I felt ashamed. As you should. Husbands love your wife. He who loves his wife loves himself. So effed up. That looks heavy. I want to make my own decisions from now on. You ever see something you couldn't explain, Sheriff? <laughs> you don't know how to fight for me because you've never done it. Sir. Give me the strength to save her soul! We need to finish this! How are you gonna write this one up, deputy? Domestic dispute? Nonviolent? Okay, Anne, married to a small-town minister, feels her life has been shrinking over the past 30 years. Encountering the master... Brings her a new sense of power and an appetite to live bolder. However, the change comes with a heavy body count. Um, I want to first off say that I freaking love this movie. It's <laughs> um, I mean, I, I it it's probably a little too early to say, but I got a strong feeling that it's going to be somewhere in my top ten this year. 
Nice. Um, we've got, of course, uh, Larry Fessenden uh, as starring as Jacob and Barbara Crampton as, uh, of course, Anne. Barbara Crampton! And Bonnie Ahrens, who you may remember her as, I think she played the nun uh, from she the was. Conjuring series. Series. Uh, you've got, you know, Robert Rustler, who was, you know, we talked about previously in Vamp, you know. So, I mean, there's a lot of really good horror pedigree in this film. Um, I just love the uh, the character arc of Anne in this, her transformation, you know, not necessarily just uh, her becoming a vampire, because, I mean, that's that's cool and everything. But just the fact that she basically had to become one of the undead to really begin living, <laughs> mm. in a sense. Good way um, of putting it. Yeah, I mean, it, because at the start of this movie, I just I really didn't like Jacob at all, even though he truly means well. But he is literally he's he's talking over his wife he's he's interrupting her and you know robert rustler's character said about uh, tom lowe said best he goes you're you know you became a church mouse you know i mean because you just you know you became this very reserved person and this and this doting wife you know and it really comes across like jacob doesn't really appreciate her and um and as a result of becoming a vampire, she just becomes, you know, like the the synopsis said, you know, it's like she becomes to, you know, starts to live a lot, lot bolder. And the uh, the comedy in this is great, you know, just how like Larry Fessenden, you know, when he's sweeping up, you know, the blood in the kitchen, he's like, he can't say the f word. <laughs> he's like, this is so effed up. Um. <laughs> The 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 gore in this is 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 great. Like when uh, the um, Amelia, I believe, uh, yes. attacks. Yes, the the two uh, the punk kids in in the uh, the mill. I mean, just the the amount of blood is is like it's like it's like Evil Dead Two blood that's pumping out of this guy's neck. There's, it's just so excessive and, and just it's, it's great. Um, the, the teeth whitening gimmick with the ultraviolet life set <laughs> ultraviolet light, just literally setting her mouth on fire. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, the comedy is, um, it's it's just stellar, like you know when she tears the neighbor's head off, you know because she's so hungry, you know oh, it, it wasn't me. <laughs> so awesome! Oh my god, so so good. Tears dispenser neighborhood. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. Oh my gosh. Um. Yeah, I I will shut up now, but I can't tell you I, I how I adore this movie. I I just think it's great. Just the uh, the banter between uh, the bantering and the bickering between uh, Jacob and Anne is is great. Good to see uh, CM Punk in another Travis Stevens movie. You may remember him if you ever saw it, the girl on the third floor where he had the lead in that. But mm-hmm. uh, all right, I will I will be quiet now. Go. Did anybody else get a feeling that 
it was kind of like the Stepford Wives, but in reverse. Particularly <laughs> yeah, that scene yeah. where she went to the grocery store, where yeah. she's clearly by herself and getting the groceries for her husband. But yeah, I, I, I started getting that vibe at first. Yeah, I could totally, totally see that, yeah. And I was... I don't know. I, I Again, I didn't like Larry Fassbender at first either, simply because he was talking over the wife and he kind of expected her to, you know, cook, clean, and where's breakfast? Does this mean I have to get something in town? And then, uh, you know, kissing the... And being a little too attentive to female parishioners, because I, I, I thought it was kind of going to go that route at first, especially with Amelia before she disappeared. And there just wasn't enough Bonnie Aarons. You know, she had really cool makeup effects, but I mean, she was definitely, you knew she was present, but you wanted to, I wanted to see more of her. Other than that, I love this movie. Yeah. She had a great heck of a great scene there at the end where she got to Mm -hmm. really talk a bunch, but. Yeah. I love this movie too. Um, this is a second time viewing for me again. <laughs> a movie I watched earlier this year. So, um, you know, Barbara Crampton, she's just amazing. You know, and what a what a universe where somebody that looks like Larry Fessernan can have sex with somebody like Barbara Crampton on the living room floor. That's why it's a movie. I mean, really? <laughs> it's a because it's a movie, Mike. But still. And- <laughs> Movies are real to Mike. <laughs> I mean, she a was a soap opera villainess. <laughs> <laughs> but Barbara Crampton, being like an eighty-year-old woman, gets to be the lead in the movie. How awesome is she? And oh yeah, she looked great. Oh yeah, yeah, she definitely still looks amazing. Um, and when she was a producer on this as well, she had been trying to get this project done for for several years. So. She was really attached to this, and it was definitely a, a passion pro- like project for her. Something about this script that she really fell in love with. Yeah, I uh, I watched this one back in May when it dropped on streaming uh, the first time before it hit Shutter, and uh, I really really enjoyed it. I I was anticipating it just because I follow Barbara Crampton on every social media platform there is. <laughs> um, I think I still have her on Google Plus or whatever that was. But uh, no, I, I follow her and she's always so positive and she's just mm-hmm. awesome at promoting her stuff. So when she is, it's like infectious, she's excited for it. So I got excited for it. I watched it. Um, lots of fun. Just... Yeah, she's just cool as hell. And it's hard not to love mm-hmm. that she's leading a movie in 2021 and she kicks ass and this movie kicks ass and. It's like you said, it's a lot of fun, but also has some scares and some uh, blood and guts. Uh, Just yeah, all around, just a cool fucking movie. You've got a female Mm -hmm. master, which is really fresh and 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 unique. I I I like that, and um, plus you know, there's a great comedic moment when they go and see that lady that has passed away. And he he puts his hand over her eyes and closes her eyes, and you think he's going to give the last rites, and he says, "Thank you for this, you know, 
this bountiful Bounty. gift. <laughs> just, they wrap her up and they're gonna, you know, they're gonna drain her blood. It's just like, holy good. You know, that's how far they've come, and they're telling little girls to fuck off. And I'm just like, it's just so good. I didn't go ahead. I, no, I, I didn't. love how mm. Oh, sorry. I love how, uh, you know, Jacob assumed the master was a man the whole time. <laughs> I didn't realize it was CM Punk until I pulled up IMDb here. Yes, how could you David not? Colton? Yeah. I didn't notice. Bill Brooks. <laughs> um, I, you know, everybody is talking about how they hated Larry's character at the beginning of this movie. So, I think he's got a great arc. He does. Where mm. he goes from just being, you know, a male chauvinist kind of asshole, treats his, doesn't treat his wife very well, to basically going against everything he believes in to help and protect his wife and kind of rekindle their their marriage. So, yeah, I thought that was really cool, too, seeing a nice, big, strong arc like that for a character you don't like, and then you end up, really caring about them and their relationship by the end. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked it too. It's my first time uh, just watching it. Um, I don't know about you guys, but first time. Yeah. I, uh, I didn't, I don't like the teeth, but then, you know, I'm not a fan of the skinny two in the front. And I'm like, why, why, what? Why? Why do like, this? Like Salem's last style. Yeah. And, and then say, by the time Mr. we find, once we finally see the master and see that it's very, very, very much a lot Nosferatu, then I was like, oh, okay, I can. <laughs> but if, but until then, I was like, man, that's I don't. I'm just not a fan of that teeth. But but it was okay by the end. Well, okay, so which movie had the best vampire teeth? Was it uh, Grace Jones's over-the-top oh, teeth God. that were like protruding, that the falsies were protruding out of her <laughs> mouth that were so ginormous? Um, Martin's fake teeth, uh, vampire kiss teeth in the uh, the park scene, it. or the uh, bunny rabbit teeth in this one? <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm partial to Martin, but you know, Martin. I have a little bit of a bias. <laughs> Barbara Crampton still looks good with them best up teeth, man. Um, mm-hmm. Got to go with Babs. <laughs> Music was really good in this one too. Yes, I like the score. Did you look up I... who did the score? No. Oh, okay. Never mind that. I'm, I'm going now. You don't have to. Yeah. I wasn't too crazy about the vampire song cover when she was dancing in the living room. Oh, I, mean, yeah. I wish they got the concrete blonde version, but. I'd rather yeah. have had that too. I'm so, yeah, so tired of these like. Cover fucking yeah. shit. No. Mm-hmm. Done in the wrong mood into a dance of the song. song. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, it's good. Song. It's the perfect song. Mm-hmm. It would have been the perfect song <laughs> <laughs> if Johnette was singing. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, cool. Um, trying to stall for Jason to look that up. I didn't. It's, okay, it's great. Not important. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so that wraps up the film discussion part of our show. But don't worry, folks. There's still more Attack of the Killer podcast to come. We're gonna take a quick break. 
so you can hear all about our podcast network called the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. The PFPN contains so many amazing shows, including Bad Movie Bunny Podcast. Oh, man, that's a good one. Yeah, It is a good one. You could check out that show and all the other shows at thepfpn.com. That's all. Well, that's the whole thing right there, thepfpn.com. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the show. It is segments time here at Attack of the Killer Podcast. It was Tara Bush that did the music for... Uh, Sorry. Okay. Do we know... Do we know any other movies that... Tara Bush only did two other movies, The Silence in 2013, and out of random, complete randomness, the Hugh Jackman movie, The Wolverine. (laughs) In 2013. What? Okay. Okay. Yeah. But it's cool. They got a female to do the, the score. So yeah. mm-hmm. nice. Sorry. Oh, that's quite all right. Uh, yeah. So here's shout outs. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for shout outs. All right, for shout-outs this week, we just asked, what are your favorite vampire films? And, oh, man, we heard from a lot of you this time. It's really awesome. All right. Let's go first to our Facebook page. We got Don and Ellie. Here we go. Crazy, weird, random shit. Here we go. (laughs) Don says, Horror of Dracula would easily be my favorite, although Hammer's later Karnstein trilogy efforts especially Vampire Lovers and Twins of Evil, are also stand out. Also really stand out. Plus, come at me, Fright Night is the only good 80s vampire movie out there, although I have wanted to give Near Dark a rewatch, as I always thought that was the second best of the scene. Okay, you're, okay. you're good you said that, or they were going to come at you, done. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of, we got Eric Steele. He says, near dark. And then Horror of Dracula and Martin. Yes, Martin. We got Dave Bowen says, from dusk till dawn. Good one. Derek. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The dance. Mm -hmm. Derek John says, my favorite vampire film is Fright Night original, not the crappy remake. I like both. I the do. remake's fun. I, I don't know. I, I, I the remake had David Tennant, so I the remake uh was in 3D and I saw it in 3D and there's a scene where a vampire explodes on like the highway and bursts into ash and the fucking I swear the ash landed on me. I'm serious. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but I but I like Universal Studios. Yeah. Where was I? Oh, then Lost Boys, Salem's Lot, 1979, John Carpenter's Vampires, and Let Me In for a more modern one, 
and Underworld as well. Great show. Keep up the awesome job. Thanks, Derek. We will. Let Me In is like the rare exception where I feel like people accept a shot-for-shot reboot. It's not shot-for-shot. It pretty much is. Yeah, it is. Interpretation. And it's better than the original. Okay. I've never seen the original, so don't make that's why I said that. Oh, well, yeah, you don't want to read subtitles, so. That's right. That's hard. You'll fall asleep. Tim Lennerer <laughs> says, first one that came to mind was Let Me In, the English language remake of the R- Let the Right One In. Fantastic characterization all around. I love the car chase filmed from the backseat of the car, and it's wonderful as a anti-Twilight. Want to see... Uh, what a romance between a teenage kid and an immortal blood-drinking monster would really look like? It's not pretty. Honorable mentions to Near Dark, a girl who walks a girl walks home alone at night. Oh, what that's hell great. yes. Yeah. Only lovers left alive. Bright night. Nosferatu. Some fascinating Hammer B sides like Vampire Circus. Oh god, we watched that, didn't we? Yeah, that's that was great. It yeah, was, was, was kind of right. like that one. And, and the Karnstein trilogy, Blackula and its sequel. <laughs> and finally, Life Force, which I like to call yes. Bucknated Quatermass. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. Good job, Tim. All right, over on our Facebook group. Okay, we got brand new attacker, Kenny Walsinger. Hey, Kenny. Welcome, attacker Kenny, he says. There are too many great vampire films. If I had to pick like five, I'd say Lost Boys, Fright Night, Let the Right One In, Children of the Night, and Near Dark. And Tad says, I've never seen Children of the Night. Jason says, I have not either. (laughs) And then Kenny, yeah, they talk some more. Okay. Yeah, you don't have to read our conversation. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> attacker Andrew Moeller says, ooh, rigor, rigor mortis. 30 Days of Night. That's yeah. a good one. Let oh. the Right One In and What We Do in the Shadows. Yes. Fuck yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yay. Oh, man. Uh, we got Jonathan Swanard. Dizwan. Dizwaner. Dijon. Someday I'm going to have him say that to me so I know how to say it. Do you, do you know Lisa? Can we try it? No? I don't. Okay. <laughs> Jonathan. We love John. We all know Jonathan. Love Jonathan. Night of the Devils. Oh, that's a good one. Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires. Yes. I learned about that one today. Oh. <laughs> and the right answer that never was. <laughs> I know. Uh, referencing the bonus episode from last week. Uh, Death Dream. Cool, cool, yeah. All and, right, I'll, I'll accept that. And, of course, Romero's unparalleled classic, Martin. Yes! Proof mm-hmm. Jonathan knows what he's talking about. Right. Uh, we got attacker Tony Miller. Oh, gosh, from the Brett and Tony show. Here we go. <laughs> he says, Twilight series. Hold on. <laughs> oh, come on. Vampire's Kiss. And the entire yes. Twilight series is I all you really need. So predictable, Tony. Come on. You, you know better. Oh, did you hear that, Tony? He called you predictable. Oh, that's not, Tony's not going to like that. Oh. Gloves are off. We got Gregory Hinkst says. He put a little picture of the little vampire. <laughs> is that Jonathan Galecki or whatever his name was? Who is that kid? Galecki. I don't know. Ganecki, I think. Get, Something I like that. that but the, Okay. Lipnicky. <laughs> the little vampire. <laughs> All right, we got Derek Batello. He says, The Hamiltons, 
and to some degree, the sequel, The Thompsons, stand out. I, anybody else know what he's talking about? Hamilton, that, not that play. That was one of the eight that films to die for. <laughs> oh, the Hamiltons was the when when they first came out uh, about this okay. family full of vampires. No, Mike, it's not that musical that was on that was oh. popular the other day. The other day, <laughs> uh, he also says, "Let the right one in," and his favorite Coppola's Dracula. Maybe also interview with a vampire. Come on now. Hey, there was some great costuming in those movies. And that's why Mike's Plus, asleep. Okay. <laughs> Mike, come okay. on. Guess he doesn't have a thing for Keanu Reeves. No, he doesn't. I do have a thing for Keanu Reeves. <laughs> and not that, that not that accent of his and that movie. Oh, 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 good grief. <laughs> <laughs> Surfer I John Parker. Uh-huh. <laughs> Up next we got Eric Garland says John Carpenter's Vampires. Okay. That's uh, mm-hmm. Mallory Graham says <laughs> Daybreakers. Oh, I liked that one. Oh, oh yeah, that's a yeah. and yes. only lovers left alive. I need to see that. I hear it's good. Um, Brian Clark, get comfortable. We got a list here, folks. We got <laughs> right. a top ten. Sweet, I see ten. Okay. See I don't think tomorrow. they're in any particular order, but here we go. We got Crypt of the Living Dead. Sweet. We're gonna, yeah, Mike. Nice. Count how many of these you've seen, okay? Because none of us have seen all these. <laughs> uh, Curse of the Undead, okay. Return of the Vampire. Uh, I'm not sure which one that is. Nosferatu, Murnau, or Herzog, both are great. Blackula, yes, hell yeah. Scream, Blackula, Scream. <laughs> oh yeah. Robo Vampire. Yes, yes, <laughs> Robo Vampire. <laughs> oh my god. The Bloodthirsty Trilogy. I yeah. am so happy he put that. I was going to call him out if he didn't, because yeah. <laughs> wasn't he the reason we watched those in the first place? And they're great. I freaking love I The Bloodthirsty. I, ha- I bought the you, Blu-ray set of that. That's how mu- That's a big deal. Uh, he goes, Jess Franco's Count Dracula. Here we go with Jess Franco. No, get over it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, and then he says, anything from Hammer. He's not wrong. MC? No. No. Just Hammer. And then we got uh, how many did you get out of those ten? Two? Um, no, three. One, two. Well, <laughs> yeah, three. Well, that's Nosferatu. Do I count two? Both. Yeah. So there's eleven there. All right. I think there's maybe only like a couple I didn't I hadn't seen before. That's, that's pretty good. We got a attacker Peter Parker. That's nothing we've said before. I don't know if he wants to say his real name or not. I don't know. Spider Man. Spider-Man says, I love... Oh, my God. Is this real? He said... Okay. I love this. Oh, this no, I, did I remember reading it earlier. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Peter, uh, he says, I love the Twilight movies, as they were the films that really got me into horror. But I can't decide which one I like best. I guess I'll have to go with the Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 2. As it really goes deep into the relationship between Bella, Edward, and Jacob. Just kidding. I'm not that into traditional vampire films. Uh, Besides Nosferatu and the Universal One with Lugosi. An exception would be the Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula. Great makeup and overall practical effects. And Dracula's blood armor is gorgeous. Great, great costuming, Mike. 
So his picks yeah, would I be... Yeah, I watch movies for the costume. Come on now. His picks would actually be Near Dark, Let the Right One In, and Martin. Martin! All right, and then uh, nothing on Instagram, but over on Twitter, we got uh, Sam the Damned Lens at Film Lens, L-E-N-Z. He says, the granddaddy of all vampire flicks, The Lost Boys. Still okay. With a picture of the saxophone on loop here. Okay. <laughs> and then we got... <laughs> Oh, do it. Sing it I out. had that soundtrack. <laughs> I, I listen to, to it today. I listen to it all the time. <laughs> Gotta love Michael Hutchins. Mm-hmm. Uh. And then we got Sardonic Apple 45 at Sardonic Apple 45 says, I have to admit, I was, oh yeah, I was confused by the Black Christmas picture while asking for <laughs> vampire recommendations. I could think of three movies off the bat that have people talking on phones in vampire films. So they took the picture we use and then also added in the question that we asked. So they overcomplicated it, but then also had answers. Fright Night? I was going to say, Fright Night's one. We should try to guess. Uh Fright Night was one. Lost Boys. done guessing. Yep. And his, their personal favorite vampire film, Near Dark. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No telephones in Near Dark. It's in there. Telephones didn't exist. It's in the, all right, so that's all we have for shout-outs. Don't forget, you can also leave us a voicemail and give us a call. Get your voice on the show. Let us know what your favorite vampire films are. You can give us a call at 415-952-6857 or 415-95-AOTKP. That is shout-outs. I'm disappointed. Come on. Um, what, a lot who of forgot the, what? A lot of the great horror directors are represented in, in the shout-outs, right? George Romero being the best with Martin. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, John Carpenter was mentioned with Vampires. Mm-hmm. Um, Toby Hooper with Salem's Lot. Where's the Wes Craven love for Vampire in Brooklyn? Okay. I'm just saying. It's just one of those underrated geniuses. That's right. But Joel yeah. Schumacher and the Lost Boys was mentioned a number of times. <laughs> uh, yeah, but calling him a great film. Anyway. Okay, moving on. Um... When you're feeling down about your life, just remember it could always be worse. Speaking of which, here's recasting with Christian Slater. Salutations and welcome to another edition of Recasting with Christian Slater. This week we'll be we will be, we'll be de- desecrating Jim Jarmusch's 1990 film Dead Man. Now I know what you're thinking, tankers. One, you just slaughtered the man's last name, and two, it's not <laughs> even a horror movie. Both true. However, you're pretty fucking delusional if you think this is an A-list show, and two, I can prove it's pretty horrifying. Follow me down the rabbit hole for a minute. 
It's the late 1800s, and William Blake, played by Johnny Depp, is almost killed in a shootout. Trouble is, he's not a gunslinger. In fact, he's an accountant, so he's kind of a pussy. As luck would have it, he encounters a Native American by the name of Nobody, played by Gary Farmer. They go, in turn, on a journey in the American wilderness full of peril and mysticism as Blake prepares to enter the spirit world. The scene we will tackle tonight involves Blake and Nobody meeting some seedy characters in the dead of the night. Blake goes on to greet them, and their only interest appear to be tobacco and who gets to sodomize him first. A situation I'm sure Depp has had to deal with on more than one occasion. A situation even more weird when said sodomites are played by Billy Bob Thornton, Iggy Pop, and Jared Harris. Let's meet our readers, shall we? Reading for the part of nobody and no stranger to hitting the peace pipe himself is Gary Busey. How's it going, Gary? How? I want you to know that this role is custom made for the Busey. And how is that? Because I've known many medicine men in my travels. Oh, I'm sure you have. And what street, street corner did you meet him on? It was not a street corner, but it was in New York. Oh. <laughs> Really? Was it the Mohawk tribe? No, it was the Studio 54 tribe. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> How stupid of me. Of course, there was roving gangs of Indians slinging cocaine there in the 70s. You know, that's not all that far-fetched. Shut up, Knots. I haven't introduced you yet. Should have known you'd give me some horseshit story, Gary. It's true. I got some medicine from him after he got done singing in the Navy with that cowboy and the construction worker. <laughs> Always loved that song. So you're telling me the prep for playing a 300-pound Native American from the 1800s is doing coke with a disco cosplayer from the 1970s? How? That's not even what the... <laughs> <laughs> playing the role of dead man William Blake is our own resident dead man Skeletor. <laughs> yes, it is who better than me to play a dead man, for it is I, Skeletor, future ruler of Eternia. How much blow did you do to prepare for this role? <laughs> well, I don't have any nostrils, so... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's ways around that. <laughs> Damn it, Gary. <laughs> It's true. Just us, Stevie Nicks. <laughs> Wait for me to introduce Yazi. <laughs> it's true. You just get a straw. You pull your pants down. Guys, shut up. <laughs> Playing the part of Big George's series mainstay, Don Knotts. Playing the part of Salvatore Salijenko is Bullwinkle Moose. Why, thank you, Christian Cannibalsy. Hi, <laughs> dick <laughs> And playing the part of Ben Montench Is the prince of fucking darkness Ozzy Osbourne Jeez Let's get this over with <laughs> Exterior Wilderness Night Blake and nobody gaze down at three men hovered, hovered over a campfire One appears to be wearing a bonnet Exterior, campsite, night, Sal, a scrawny man in a bonnet and an apron appears to be telling the other man a story. 
Once upon a time, there were three bears in a forest. A big bear, a medium mommy bear, and a tiny little baby bear. One morning, they were going to eat their breakfast porridge. They had a big bowl, a medium bowl, and a tiny little bowl. That porridge was too hot. Exterior, Ridge, night. Nobody and Blake look on. Sal continues with his story. Stupid fucking white man. William Blake. You go down there to them. What? Alone? Why don't we just go around them? No. You go. It is a test. I don't know those people. They don't look very friendly. What if they kill me? Nobody will observe. All right. I'll go. She got sleepy, and they went into their bedroom. There was a big bed, a medium bed, and a tiny little bed. Their tiny bed. I'd rather not go, but I'll go. The bears got home. Papa said somebody here ate all our porridge. What's the best way to get down there? Be quiet and go. Blake rises and begins his descent down the ridge. And he scalped her, and he tore her head off her body, and took that golden hair and made a sweater for Baby Bear. Across from Sal sits Big George and Bowman on the opposite sides of the fire. Exterior campsite night. Even I'm fucking this up. <laughs> Big George is an imposing white, an imposing man with a large beard. Benmon is slightly larger than Sal and appears irritated. They pass around a jug of whiskey and each of them take a drink. That's terrible! It's horrible! Terrible's what it is! Sal begins to serve up plates of beans for the other two men and himself over a pond over the campfire. You know, I just, I just can't drink whiskey like I used to could. My old belly just ain't no account. I get the shits every time, don't you know? I'm sorry, Big George. I got some food here that even Goldilocks never tasted. I think this is going to fix up your old gut. These pains is shit. Why don't you shut your goddamn trap and just eat your beans? They, uh, there's possum in these beans and spices, too. I tried hard. Well, Sally... I don't give a pig's ass what anybody says. I still say you make a hell of a pot of beans. Now, why don't you say us grace out of the good book, would you? Sal purchased some spectacles on his nodes and begins to read from the Bible. Thank you, Big George. I'd be delighted to do that. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee, and I will take thine head from thee, and I will give thee carcasses, the host of the Philistines this day, until the fowls of the air and the wild beasts of the earth. Amen. What's a Philistine? Well, it's just <laughs> a real dirty person. Plates clatter and men scuffle as Blake approaches the campsite. All of the men stand to confront Blake as he winces in pain with a hand over the wound on his chest. Benmont has a rifle trained on him. Hello, I smell beans. Who are you <laughs> traveling with? 
I'm with nobody. Where are you headed? I don't know. Do you like beans? Benmont places the rifle down and the three men lead him towards the campfire. I love beans. The three men huddle over Blake as he sits down. Have you got any tobacco? I'm sorry, I don't smoke. Would you give me some tobacco? Hey, what if I had some? I'll trade you some beans with some tobacco. I don't have any tobacco, but I'd love some beans. Hurt! Sal observes Blake up and down. Yes! Eyeglasses! Yes! Pretty soon, too! I clean up real good, you know. Is that right? Yeah! Benmont glares at Blake's feet. What size of shoes are those? Ten! They look very comfortable, all day. Not too bad. Big George begins to rub the fabric on Blake's suit on his chest and takes a liking to the flower on his lapel. What kind of flower is that? Well, a rose. It's made out of paper. Rose? Now you see there? All the men huddle closer to Blake as he becomes increasingly uncomfortable. Benmont drags a knife, draws a knife, and flashes the blade in front of Blake's face. Look at the edge of that knife. You feel that? I'd rather not. Oh, go on. Blake reluctantly flicks the tip of the finger on the of the uh, of his finger on the knife. That that is a very very sharp knife. That is. Big George begins to fiddle. Big George begins to fiddle with Blake's hair. What do you call that? Pretty. I'm sorry. That hat. What do you call it? I'm not really sure. Al and George run their fingers through Blake's hair. Ah, your hair. Your hair is soft. It's like a girl's. My God, it is soft. Now, how do you get it that way? See, this old stuff of mine, well, it's, it's just like old barn hay. I can't do a darn thing with it. How do you get it like that and keep it like that? It's lucky, I guess. Lucky? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Benmont begins to play with Blake hair, Blake's hair. Big George swats Beaumont's hand away. God damn it, you keep your hand off it. I thought I told you never to touch me. I don't give a good goddamn what you told me. You keep your hands off his hair. What? What's that to you then, huh? Benmont and Big George stand to confront one another. The campfire in between them. That's got plenty to do with me, goddammit. Really? That's right. This one's mine. This one's yours. Yes, it is mine, Big George. You had the last one. Is that a fact? Or saw him first. I don't give a shit who saw what and who did what or who did who. <laughs> You had the last Philistine. This one's mine. If you want this one, if I want this one, I'll have him too, by God. Frustrated, Benmont pulls his rifle from the ground and aims it as Big George. 
Vaughn, what happens if I just shoot you then? What do you think about that? You're gonna shoot me? That's right. Well, I don't give a good goddamn if you shoot me then. I will. I'll shoot you right now. Come on, shoot me. Big George places his hands in, on his hips in defiance. I will. Well, quit talking. Do it then, by God. I will. Benoit, Benoit takes aim at Big George's foot and fires. Blam! The shot takes off of one of Big George's toes. Sal jumps to his feet and shrieks in fright. Ah! Big George stands there and looks at Beaumont in shock. Blake, full of fear, does not move. There you go. Good God, I'm hit! Lord have mercy, it burns like hellfire, you son of a bitch! I'm gonna have to kill somebody now! Big George hobbles his way to his pack and retrieves a double-barrel shotgun at Benmont chuckles. To Blake's shock, Big George points his shotgun at him. Well, goddammit, I guess nobody got you. What the hell? From behind Big George, a blade slices, slices across his throat. Nobody grabs the shotgun from George as he falls. Nobody! Nobody! <laughs> As Benmont struggles with his rifle, Blake fishes out a revolver from his jacket and shoots him dead. In the background, Sal frantically searches for his own weapon. He is shot dead when the shotgun in nobody's hands apparently goes off in his direction. Here ends this episode of recasting with Christian Slater, telling you to always sure, make sure you have tobacco when you travel, and in, Brucey's, and in Busey's case, straws. We also don't give a pig's ass what anybody thinks about of our attackers because we love you all. We'll see you all next time. Since this is the Vampires Part 3 episode, I wanted to do a filmmaker that has made two of the greatest vampire movies ever made. I'll get to a little bit more of that later. For this inductee into Insane's Picks Hall of Fame, we're going to cover a director with 401 directing credits. That's career span from 1915 all the way to his death in, 1907, in the 1970s. Nicknamed One Shot for his rep reputation of doing one takes with little or no coverage, we induct William Bode Bodine into Insane's Picks Hall of Fame. William Bodine enjoyed, enjoyed a directing career that streamed across seven decades. He got his start in the film industry at, as a $10 per week prop boy and extra in 1909 with American Muchscope. And a biograph company, where he first worked with D.W. Griffith, the father of American film. By 1911, he worked his way up to an assistant director and second unit director on 55 different films. By 1916, Bodine made $100 per week as a director and turned out as many as 150 short comedies before graduating to feature to a feature film assignment in 1922. Bodine was a prolific, prolific director. I can't say that word. Prolific. He was a well-versed director, not only because he mastered efficient filmmaking, but also because he started in the early days of the film industry when one and two reelers were ground out like making sausages. 
And that's how he learned to make film in the first place. He was responsible for the silent film era's most prestigious pictures, such as Mary Pickford's Sparrows in 1926. But after 1937, he worked primarily churning out programmers at Poverty Row Studios, where producers needed an efficient, efficiently made pot boiler short shot on two weeks or less schedule. William Bodine was the go-to guy, and he remained so through the mid-1960s. Bodine was known for editing in the camera, shooting only those scenes that are absolutely necessary. This would save time and film. He did not shoot full coverage of scenes with master shots and alternate takes. Uh, <clears throat> this filmmaking style is what eventually got him nicknamed William One-Shot Bodine. At times, he would film two shots of a scene for no other reason other than just in case one was ruined in the developing lab. His movies ranged from full-length features and shorts, including one of his most famous films, the hygiene exploitation genre film Mom and Dad in 1945. Mom and Dad is about a high school girl who gets pregnant and then her boyfriend dies, and her sex ed teacher shows her a film about a childbirth and the dangers of venereal disease. Mom and Dad featured footage of a live actual childbirth. The film was a hour waller or hour walled film where it played in theaters. Um, wait, that's four walled film that played in theaters. Four walled was the practice of renting an entire theater outright, which meant that after the rental fee was paid, all the money taken in went straight to the exhibitor. The film had screenings for males and females at separate times and provided a doctor and two nurses, who were actually just actors, to give hygiene lectures and sell sex hygiene books at inflated prices. This was a practice of a lot of hygiene exploitation films of that time to capital, capitalize on, sec, on the sexual repression of the era. Although these type of films were meant to titillate, they were presented in this manner to keep local authorities at bay. After all, who could close down a theater that showed such an educational film? He worked mo almost exclusively on low-budget quickies for the last 30 years of his career, such as The Ape Man in 1943, Voodoo Man 1944, Ghost on the Loose in 43, all featuring Bela Lugosi. And he also did over half of the Bowery Boys films. His attitude towards most of the films he was shooting at the time can be summed up by an incident in the 1940s when he was informed that an East Side Kids quickie he was making for monogram films was falling behind schedule. His reply was, you mean someone's, someone out there is actually waiting to see this? His pace slowed somewhat in the 1950s when he made only 23 films, uh, most of them for allied artists. One of these films is Bela Lugosi meets the Brooklyn Gorilla. By this time, Bela Lugosi was considered washed up as he was addicted to morphine. The film also stars a Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, Jerry Lewis ripoff duo, Duke Mitchell, the Martin clone, and Sammy Petrello, the Lewis clone. The pair's act was so obviously a ripoff of Lewis and Martin that Jerry Lewis eventually sued Sammy Petrello uh, for likeness rates. In the, in the plot 
Uh, Mitchell is turned into, well, what else? A singing gorilla by Bella Lugosi. Uh, the film was made in nine days with a $50,000 budget. Williams' final feature films, as well as very likely his best known, were the Grindhouse drive-in horror classics, the best vampire movies of all time, Billy the Kid vs. Dracula in 1966, and Jesse James meets Frankenstein's daughter in 1966 as well. <clears throat> he made those films when he was 74 years old, the oldest working director at the time. Bodine's ability to overlook almost anything in order to get film get film into the can would prove a huge advantage in television. In the 1950s, he moved into that medium, directing hundreds of episodes of particular series, including shows for Walt Disney. By the end of the 1960s, he was one of the principal directors on Lassie, and eventually passing the baton to his son, William Bodine Jr., in the year 2005, the labor of love brought into the world by William Botine, uh, to, uh, Hollywood, uh, and Kruger Babb, two of Hollywood's most prolific sons, was honored by the Library of Congress National Film Registry with the inclusion of Mom and Dad on the list of na- nation's cinematic treasures. Producers loved him for his ability to make movies quick and economically. Uh, I love him for his techniques to shoot on a low budget with very little time that would uh, inspire many other low budget in- independent filmmakers uh, from there on out. So for this Insane Mike's Hall of Fame, uh, we induct William One-Shot Bodine. Yay! Woo! 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 Yay! Yay. So that is the end of another haunting episode of Attack of the Killer podcast. It is time for us to return to our coffins before the sun rises. And I want to thank our very special guest, Lisa from Bad Movie Bunny Podcast. Thanks again, guys. (laughs) Thanks for being on. This was fun. It was great having you. Yeah, let everybody know where they can follow you and find you and all that stuff. All righty then. Well, I guess I can give out my link tree, but um, you can best find me on Podbean. I update... Every two weeks or so, um, I'm also on Stitcher, Twitter, and Facebook as Bad Movie Bunnies. And I also have a blog. And I still write from time to time. It's badmoviebunnies.com. Awesome. Yay. Yay. So thanks to everybody for listening. Until next time, remember, never invite a vampire into your home. Or Gary Busey, for that matter. <laughs> Talk to you all again Thanks. on the next episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Oh no, could this be the end of? <laughs> Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attack of the Killer Podcast.